are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome to church. I am Timmy Riggs, one of your pastors here. I'm glad that you're online with us, and I'm glad that you're in the room with us. I want to update you right away, in case you haven't got an email or you're not up to date, whatever it is. We want to let you know, so I'll just get right to the point. This week, Pastor Rick tested positive for COVID, okay? So he uh, got tested and immediately went straight into quarantining with his wife, Annette. Uh, So him and Annette are home. At this time, Annette has tested negative, and so um, she's going to be there taking care of Pastor Rick. So really the person we need to pray for is Annette, right? Uh, But Pastor Rick, he said it's no fun, but he's on the mend. He's working hard to come through the other side uh, healed, and we're believing for that. He uh, wants everyone to know how much he loves you and knows that this is not isolated. He knows that so many people know someone who's been touched by this or they themselves have gone through. So he's still praying for you and is thankful for your prayers as well. Also, I just want to let you know, Pastor Lewis, you might have known that a couple weeks ago he got tested. And it was positive. Um, And those were completely separate incidences, totally uh, coincidence. They weren't even around each other. And Pastor Lewis, if you know him at all, I mean, we have we've had to chain him up. He wants to get on the tennis court. He wants to get on his bike, but he is doing way better. He's at the last couple days of his quarantine. And uh, so we are thankful for those leaders and we love them. We're praying for them and they love you. So with that being said, Pastor Rick calls me Thursday, and he's like, hey, you want to preach? And I was like, good thing I always write a sermon every week for when this happens, right? I can cover for you. Uh, but just remind me what it is you're preaching about. And so he was like, well, we are talking about meekness. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. So that's our part of Healing Conversations this week. We'll be in Matthew 5. You can open that up on your Bible. You can look at it on your phone. If you want to listen along, I've stole this, but you can look at the Sky Bible, right? I've now coined that as my own phrase. So uh, those are your three ways to follow along. And if you're there, if you're ready, say amen. Amen. All right. Jesus is about to preach the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of his most iconic sermons. Um, Here in this sermon, he's actually going to take uh, and use a phrase where he's like, you've heard it said. But this is how we do it now, right? So it's all about countercultural. It's flipping everything upside down. God's new reality is opposite of what many times we think should be the reality. So Jesus says this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. We can take a look at it. Anytime we can come together and raise our awareness of who you are, how you want us to lean into you, and to love like you, we are thankful for We lift up Pastor Rick, Pastor Lewis, as they continue to work through their healing. And uh, we also pray for everyone else who, in just any way, has been touched by the virus this year. We thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so it's Thursday evening, and uh, I get the call that we're going to be preaching. I'm going to be preaching. We're going to be preaching together. 
that I'm going to be preaching, and it's going to be about meekness. So I start getting the wheels turning. I do a lot of my prep work actually like in my head, okay? So like I'm thinking through it, and I'm like, meekness? Yeah, like I think, you know, I get it, kind of gentleness, kindness. I think, I think that's me. I think I'm pretty meek. So I turn over to Emma, and I'm like, Emma, I'm preaching about meekness. Uh, I think I'm pretty meek. What do you think? She takes no time. She's prepared with an answer. She doesn't have to think about it at all. She just says, nope, you're not meek. I don't think you're very meek. I'm like, why? Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm offended now. And I'm like, what do you, prove it. She's like, okay, think back 18 hours ago. And I was like, crap. Like, she, she's got me. Okay, so what happened 18 hours ago? Let me explain it. At that time, it was Wednesday night. We're laying in bed. It's like 8.30. I live a simple life. No kids yet. We, we, we just are chill. Okay? So we're laying there. We got a show on. And uh, apparently the TV had been on earlier in the day, and it was kind of loud. And so the TV was kind of loud. But it's one of those things where, like, now you're sitting there in bed. The remote's kind of far away. You're like, I'll just deal with it. It's not a big deal. A little bit louder than I'd like, but I'm lazy. I don't feel like getting up to get the remote. And uh, so at this point, my stress level is a 1 out of 10. It's not bad. I'm fine. It's okay. I get a text message from a friend. Just the, the, the absolute vibration of the phone alone takes my stress level 2 to 10. I'm, I'm, I'm at it 2, right? And I'm like, man, what, what, don't they know it's nearly midnight? What are they doing texting me, right? Like, I'm about to go to sleep. And uh, so I look at my phone. I look what it is. It's a text from a friend. It's a video. And it says, hey, this, this is funny. And it's kind of in a group message, you know. And uh, so I click on it. I'm not thinking. Unbeknownst to me, apparently, I had been listening to something on my phone that I wanted the whole neighborhood to hear because my phone was at full max volume, all right? So I press play on the video. Not only is my phone volume very loud, this video is extremely loud. At this point, I go from a 2 to a 5. I got a lot going on. Loud TV, loud video on my phone. I'm, you know, breathing heavy. So I reach up because I don't like it, okay, any more than anyone else in the room. So I go to turn it down. In the nanosecond of time that I get my finger to the button to turn down the volume, my wife's spiritual gift kicks in. The ability to ask me 15 questions in the shortest amount of time. Okay? So it is so loud in my room. Panicking. Dog's panicking. Looking at me. He's like, what are you going to do, Dad? Like, what's... My wife goes, who is that? What's that text from? What's that all about? Why is it so loud? Right? Eight questions. I turn to her. And in this moment... I realized as I'm thinking through it, yeah, I didn't act very meek, okay? I look at her, I said, hey, I'm one man. I can do it all. I just can't do it all at one time, all right? Right now, I don't know why the TV's so loud. I don't know why you just asked me 23 questions. I wish this friend didn't even have my phone number right now, okay? Like, that's what I know. And like a five-year-old, I turned over, so my back is facing her, and I'm looking out the window. We then went on to have a healing conversation. And bottom line was, I was like, you know, honestly, you should be thanking me. We're able to walk into practice what Pastor Rick has been teaching the last couple of weeks, right? In that moment, and I'm thinking through, okay, am I meek? And that experience, I'm like, she's right. From what I know about meekness and how I reacted in that one moment, one moment only, I probably am not that meek. So I started thinking, like, what is me? Like, how do you think about meekness? So I started texting a bunch of my friends. Hey, just quick, simple question. When you hear the word meek, what comes to mind? So I got back some of the good ones, you know, that were like gentleness, kindness, patience, um, easily kind of letting someone go. I think my mom's a beautiful example of this, kind of always looking to help, right? But then there were a lot of more like negatives. So a lot of like weak, 
pushover, very passive, not going to stick up for themselves or anybody else, um, kind of like a plastic bag just floating in the wind, right? Um, and, and different things like that, kind of negative, not going to be a leader, harmless, powerless. I had one friend, the question again, I remind you, was just, what do you think of when you hear the word meek? He replies, I think someone who is very passive and is not going to stick up for themselves. I'm probably not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven thinking that way, right? Like he already knew what I was, gonna, what, what I was after. And so what I started thinking about is that's the predominant definition that we're kind of all working with about what weak, meek means, right? It means weak and, and soft and someone who's not going to stick up for themselves. But then we kind of get in this crossroads because we see, oh, Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So I'm kind of torn because I'm like, oh, man. Jesus, if you could have ripped that one out and said, hey, blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness, I'm set. That's cool. That's exciting. You know, I want to be filled with this idea of meek. It doesn't line up with really our culture and the way that our society lives. We have a very much kind of a, hey, you're the king of your castle. You're the, uh, the director of your movie, right? You're the captain of your ship. Don't you let anybody put you down. Don't get walked over. Don't let somebody else stress you out. You need to let them know your opinion. If you guys disagree, make sure you are so much louder than them and knowing that you are right. If you guys do agree, still make sure you let that person know you're more right than them. Right? Like we, we want to make sure that I'm not going to get walked on. I have responsibilities. I have goals. I can't let you get in the way. So them were a little bit of an issue, a little bit of a tension. Because there's the way of Jesus, there's the way of our culture. Pastor Casey sent me a quote this week that kind of really fits that perfectly. And the writer said, uh, if our soul is like a house, we do a really good job of decorating it with Christian decorations. But the architecture of our home is no different than the rest of the world. And then we're right there, stuck in between. Man, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I live in 2020. You know how tough it is to do some of the things you expect me to do? So, let's break it down. Jesus is saying nine beatitudes. It's the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're seeing that he's going to go in kind of back to back to back. Nine different kinds of attitudes to have with a specific type of outcome. His first, not, his first four actually have to do with the human's relationship with God. So this is a vertical kind of relationship when you have this kind of attitude, this kind of spirit, you're going to be leaning into God. This is going to be the outcome. The next five had to do specifically with our relationship with one another, human to human, right? Now, one thing we do know for sure is that our relationship with God pretty much always affects our relationship with one another. So Jesus wants to make this clear, and he starts with, blessed are those. Now, this phrase, blessed are those, wouldn't have been exclusive just to Jesus or just to the Jewish community. This would have been something that kind of everybody said, right? So in the Greek world, it would have been something like, blessed are those who live virtuously, for they'll be admired. Blessed are those who create wealth for themselves, because they'll have financial security. Blessed are those who have high positions in society, because they will rule over many. That word blessed could even be translated as congratulations. Congratulations to those who do this because the reward is this. And this is going to be the kind of outcome and life that you get to live. So Jesus is showing up and doing what he does best and saying, hey, this is what the world is chasing. Let me show you what we are going to be chasing, what we 
are going after. It's different. He flips it upside down. Blessed are those, Jesus said. Congratulations is an order, he says, to those who are poor in spirit. Those who just feel like they are down and out at the end of their rope. Because what's going to happen is most of the time that moves them close enough to say, man, God, I need you. I need you in my life. And when that happens, when we're in the place where maybe we're in the closet crying, praying, completely alone, and no one even knows it's happening, God says, hey, your kingdom, my kingdom rather, will be yours. You can step into it. And when you're mourning, when your heart is broken, when you feel like all the wind has been punched out of you or 2020 has given its best shot at you, God is saying, hey, I want to let you know that I'm going to be here to comfort you. And Jesus also begins to say, hey, when you live a meek life towards God, then your life will be something that inherits the earth. Synonymous with yours is the kingdom. And the last one, of course, those who truly seek a relationship with God, who seek the kingdom first, well, everything else will be given to them. They will be filled. So Jesus wants us to let us know that the outcome of the type of life he tells us to live will ultimately be us living into God's kingdom reality. Paul tells us that the matter of the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. It's not about more zeros in your bank account, better car, better house, That's not the devil, but what matters is your soul. And Paul says the matter of the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus, in this moment, talking about these beatitudes, is saying, when you live directed towards God, an outcome is that you are going to find peace, joy, righteousness, and rest for your soul. You will be filled. What are all these other things we're always chasing? What are we trying to accomplish? Rest, peace, joy. She says, don't get it twisted. Here's where I want you to focus. It's on these things, this relationship with God. So when I think about that, when I think about these beatitudes being directed towards God, I think, oh, so all those definitions that I think about meek, that actually has to do with me and God. Well, yeah, in that scenario, I will gladly let God step in front of me and lead. Yes, I will submit to God's ways. I would absolutely love to to kind of stand in the shadows and let him take charge. I'm not God of my life. He is. So I will choose to have a meek relationship with God because an outcome of that is I get to live in his kingdom reality. And when I do more of that, it builds more of his reality. And it's this beautiful circle of us getting to live there and build it with him. So then I start to think about more of my findings about the word meek. I don't know if the word has been watered down throughout history or if maybe it wasn't a great word to begin with for the translation, but it actually would have been more like a phrase. So the beginning of it uh, would have been something like a meek person is, just without the word meek, right? A meek person is a person who has a sword, knows how to use it, and chooses to keep it sheathed. So a meek person is, is not weak or powerless or harmless at all. They just know how to handle their strength. So in that situation, when Jesus says, Blessed are those who have a sword, know how to use it, and keep it sheathed, will inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, when you give your strengths to God, when you heed to his calling, to his love, to his grace, to his leadership, it's going to work out. You're going to begin to live in my reality. 
makes it a whole lot easier for me to say, yes, God, look, I have my strengths. I'm going to give them to you. I want you to lead. What's going to be the outcome of that? Oh, my relationships with other people are going to start to look a little bit different. I don't need to show you how sharp my sword is. I know where my strength comes from. I think God is so creative, so imaginative, because as I started to look through Scripture and tried to find a little bit more examples, I saw we have a literal, physical example of this happening. It's in Matthew uh, 26, I think we have it on the screen. Matthew 26, 50 through 54. Jesus has come towards the end of his rescue mission on earth. He has constantly been preaching this new kingdom that, hey, when you start living into it, it's going to be a beautiful cycle. And your life, you will begin to inherit these gifts right here. Yes, in a day to come, but right here and right now. And when you choose to have a meek relationship with the Father, you'll be walking in his guidance. So he's at the end of it, and he knows what's to come. In fact, he begins to start praying, you know, God, I pray for my disciples. I pray for the future church. Uh, and I pray that if there is any way for me not to have to do this, that would be awesome. But not my will. I'm going to meekly step into yours because I want your will to be done. At that moment, the guards come. Judas has betrayed him. They start walking up. And Jesus says this. Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions, we know who it is, Pistol Pete, okay, Peter, reached out for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. I don't want to like, be silly, and I don't want to make too much of a stretch here, but I was like, oh my gosh, that is Perfect. That is exactly what we do. I get in a conversation about politics, maybe. You might not know we have an election next week. But I, I might disagree with you about it, and I am just going to let it rip, right? And we're going to get to the point where you're doing that right back at me. What happens? We eventually just start showing each other how sharp our swords are. We want to impress each other with our knowledge that probably is fake, right? Like, if all of a sudden, we have chopped each other's ears off, lost the ability to even hear the other person. It's just, you want to see how loud I can get? I'm not going to be able to hear it. I'll feel the vibrations in the floor, I guess. I have literally made it impossible for people to even trust my influence or my words because all I'm doing is spewing out things that just make them not even want to listen to me. Proverbs 12:18 says this. It just, again, just, I mean, I'm, I almost couldn't believe. I was like, this is, this is really a passage. This fits perfectly with my 48 hours to write a message. Chapter 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. You're wrong. I'm right. I will say it louder till you stop listening. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Are you kidding me? We are talking about healing conversations. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Jesus turns and he looks at Peter. He says, put your sword back in its place, Pete. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. You want to fight chaos with chaos? More chaos will ensue. Do you think I cannot call on the Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it says it must happen 
this way. Peter, I know you're strong, man. But I gave you a brain and I gave you that strength. I want to help you learn how to use it. I know that others will think that the cross looks weak, that it looks like defeat. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to come out the other side holding the keys of death in the grave. You are playing the battle. I'm playing the war. We are trying to save all people. And I will do whatever I need to. That even means I will put my sword away. The meekest people I know, they're not weak. They're just the ones who know how to use their strength. I think about the people in my friends groups, my friends in my friends circle, I don't know, whatever. I have groups of friends and we have adjectives for some of the uh, people in our groups. They're good adjectives, descriptors of, of who they are as people. And my favorite one is the enhancer. I've got people in my life they just make my life better. My wife's one of them. They walk into the room and you're happy to see them when they come in, not when they go. They're there, they come. They don't start telling you about all the things that they know and, and about how much they learned this week and how you're probably wrong about that. No, they come in and they say, hey, how are you? How's your soul? How's your marriage? How's your family doing? They're interested in me. Even if we do begin to talk about a topic, usually I don't really know where they stand on it. And they're just there. They, they lighten it up. They make it feel better. I start thinking about these friends. And I realize, oh my goodness. Many of them have the attribute of a meek spirit. And many of them are, are people who are meek with their relationship with God. They're saying, hey, I'm going to let God lead. And he is going to help bear fruit, right? When I'm connected to the vine, I'll produce much fruit. I'm going to lean into God and I'm going to let him affect my relationships. I want to be like those people. And they're the people I want to be most around. And enhancer. Every single one of them, some of the strongest people I know. There is nothing about the attribute of meek that is weak. Rather, it's someone who knows how to use their strength. I wish, as I wrap it up, as I land the plane right now, we can start the music. There it is. Sounds good. I got 20 more minutes now. This watch is broken. It's just for looks. Okay. The enhancers in my life choose love, right? They choose grace. They don't want to know, tell you how smart they are or what they know. And, and I wish there was one phrase that Jesus said, like, hey, here's the best way to put your sword away. Here's the best way to help lead into a conversation. Well, he doesn't do that because every conversation, every relationship, it brings its own complexities. I'll leave it say this. There are moments where Jesus flips table in the temples. He goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Pharisees, but always with the goal of making sure that people see the truth and the love and the grace of God, that they're not getting taken advantage of. So I don't have a single line or a single thing to help you in every conversation. But I started thinking about it and I was like, what would be the best way to kind of dismantle? To make sure that it shows that, hey, I'm putting my sword away and I care much more about you than I do about being right. I think it could be this simple. And, and obviously it's going to depend on your relationships or whatever. Maybe you can find a different phrase for yourself. But I think if I'm in a conversation with someone that I disagree with and my blood's starting to boil 
and I, I want to shout back and I want to give them my back. And I think in that moment, I want to start choosing and I just say, hey, you know what? I love you. I love you. I just love who you are. I love being around you. We, we disagree about this area of how life should be handled. We're not going to vote the same. We disagree there. But the bottom line is, I think that you love me. And I think you care about people and you want what's best for everyone. And so I'm going to find that common ground. Because the man on the middle cross says there is a middle way. And I'm going to choose to live in to that way. I'm going to heed to my rules and my own type of putting myself as God. And I'm going to follow him. And so I don't know. Maybe that's the best way we can just give it a try and say, hey, you know what? I love you and I care more about our relationship than proving that I'm right. I'm going to put my sword away. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. Can you imagine if individually we began to live this way, collectively as a group? I mean, there would be a buzz. People would figure it out. They'd be like, you know, they're just, I don't have a word for it. They just enhance the space that they walk into. Would you stand with me and let me pray for us, and we'll sing one more song. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. I believe that when you call us into having a meek relationship with you, it should affect our relationships with others. And ultimately, all the stuff that we chase for in this life, you're the one. You're the source. You're the one that finds peace and rest and healing for our lives and in our relationships. We thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.